The rest of this lesson we get into uh, continuing to learn to ask good questions and then also what to do with the information you receive back. So not just asking questions, but then how to process what they're telling you, uh, which is key to, uh, it's the other end of asking questions, right? You got to know what to do with the information. So that's what we'll be thinking about tonight. So good work on that one. All right, let's do our little overview, our concepts and objectives as we get started. Personal ministry is not shaped by the facts you gather, but the way you interpret those facts. And this becomes one of the key themes of, uh, of the material, is looking for that interpretation. And we, we all do this naturally without realizing it. Um, so, you know, you hear something outside, you know, a, a loud pop, right? Somebody interprets that as an engine that misfired. Somebody else interprets it as a gunshot. Somebody else interprets it as, right? So we, we're doing this kind of thing all the time. We do this most often with our words when we communicate with one another. Uh, we take just plain old words and we assign meaning to them. You put them together in a sentence and all of a sudden singular words that might mean one thing when strung together with tone of voice and facial expression uh, are interpreted to mean something. Right? We, we're doing this all the time. We just don't really think about it. And it's in that interpretation, it's in that meaning that a lot of things happen. That's a, a lot of miscommunication can happen that way. It's also where a lot is revealed about per, someone's perspective and where they're coming from. And you can kind of get, um, get to see a little bit of their heart as you interpret what they're saying to you. Secondly, as we personalize this, we need to think uh, in distinctively biblical ways about ourselves and the people that God places in our path. So as we're gathering information and asking these questions, the goal is not to just immediately give them the first advice that comes to mind, but specifically to carefully process their information and then seek to connect it to Scripture. How can I attach biblical truth to what I'm seeking to return to them. They don't really need my advice. Uh, they, need, they need God's help. And so uh, sometimes we're quick to just respond with our solution when what they really need is, is God's help. And so third, relating to others, one of the primary ways to function as an instrument of change is to help others think biblically about their situation and relationships, their thoughts, their motives, and their behavior. So how can I bring God's word into the conversation? How can I help them see what God has to say about this? So those are some of the things we'll talk about tonight. Uh, he opens with a section called The Blind Leading the Blind. And his point here is that we do often just jump into a response to people, giving our advice, giving our opinion, oh, well, you need to do this kind of a thing. Uh, without fully, number one, processing what they've told me, and then number two, coming back with biblical help and not just my you know, gut reaction advice here. Um, and so if we were to go back to uh, Gina and her mom, uh, so the mom calls, she wants help, how do I help Gina? You know, to, the blind leading the blind would be us just being on the phone. Well, I remember somebody else who was depressed one time, and the first thing, you know, that you need to do is this, and you just go through this list of solutions that helped in this one other scenario that you encountered. 
well, you've just kind of slapped a Band-Aid on it, and it might not actually help their scenario or their situation. Um, and so he opens uh, by reminding us the importance of pausing and reflecting and really seeking to bring Scripture in. So as we seek to know and help people, we must ask ourselves what principles, promises, perspectives, themes, and commands of Scripture speak to this person in this situation. Um, the point is not just my advice. The point is how do I help them connect with the Word of God and what God has to say about this scenario? Um, he po points this out in a helpful way. There's never a day when we do not advise and counsel one another. A wife may advise her husband as he's getting ready for work. A parent may coach a child on how to face a difficulty at school. A brother may help his sister talk through some problems with her friends. A boss may confront a coworker. So this kind of advice giving and counseling is actually happening all the time. Are we influencing one another in a biblical way? The question is whether our ministry to one another is biblical. In all of this talk, are we asking ourselves what the Bible has to say about what we are discussing? Uh, bringing God's word to bear in our conversations and advice giving. When it really comes down to it, uh, the word of God is a great help. Um, so many scenarios of life, we walk into it first thinking, yeah, I know, I know what's best here. I know what's good for you. And so I'm going to encourage you to do this. Um, but we know a whole lot less than we think we know. And without knowing the full context of what the person is going through and what they're facing, uh, sometimes we're just way too quick to offer advice, thinking we know what's best for them when it's not actually best. That's where the Word of God is so helpful. Its promises and commands are written. It, it, it's like the supreme God of the universe wrote the Bible or something. They're written in such a way that they're true and good and right in every context and in every scenario. Sometimes we look at Scripture and we wonder, well, why doesn't it get more specific? You know, like, why doesn't it tell me, you know, what to do in this specific context? Well, it's exactly for that reason. Because the Bible gives us principles and commands and ways of thinking and uh, teaches us how to want the right things. That's what gives clarity in all the detailed scenarios of life. And so sometimes we look past Scripture because we think, well, it doesn't talk about a depressed high school girl and, and how the mom should help her. But the principles of God's Word do. And sure, that scenario isn't mentioned in, Bible, in the Bible, but I think that that's what makes Scripture that much more applicable. Because rather than having to fit an exact scenario, the commands and promises of Scripture actually fit every scenario. And by getting into the Word, letting it shape our desires and our thinking, it helps in every context, which is really a cool thing. Uh, and so just because you think, well, that scenario is not mentioned in Scripture, uh, don't look past the Word of God. It's actually the opposite. Uh, because its principles and promises are applicable to so many things, it does have help for every scenario that we face in life, which is so encouraging. All right, so let's think about how we receive information, organize it, attach it to Scripture, 
and help a person. Okay, so this is kind of what we're going to try to do together tonight. He compares this to uh, going around, if somebody's mind was their house, it's like going around their, their house, picking up all their dirty laundry, and then dividing it by colors and types of clothing so you can do a few loads of laundry and give them back some clean clothes. Okay, so that's his illustration for uh, how, what we're trying to do here. I don't know if that's uh, a happy illustration or not, but at any rate, organizing the information in a biblical way. All right, so let's think through how to think about what they say in an organized biblical fashion. Now, in your printed notes and in your books, you have a, a graphic there. It's called Figure 8-1, Knowing a Person Biblically. And so he gives us four categories of information that we want to look for. Uh, and we will, we will use kind of an illustration here to learn about these four categories. So here's your next case study. Let's say that John's wife, Greta, asks to talk to you. When you meet, she says that she is concerned about her husband. John has an increasingly short fuse. He yells at her and the children at the drop of a hat. He is critical and demanding. He is spending more time at work, and most of his home time is spent on the computer. When Greta asks John what is wrong, he just says that life stinks. Greta says that John's dad was a negative guy who always uh, thought that people were out to get him. John was not like that when she married him, but Greta is afraid he's turning into his father. When Greta asks John how she can help him, all he says is, just give me a little space so I can breathe. Okay, so let's use these four kinds of information uh, types to kind of gather what is going on here. The first hook that we hang some information on is the situation. This is what is or what was going on. This is just details about the situation. Here you place uh, all the information that describes what the person's world is like. All right, so what do we have regarding the situation? In that little story I read, and if, of course, if you have a book, you have it printed. I can't remember. I don't think I included this in the printed notes. So sorry about that. Uh, but anyway, what did we learn about the situation that I just read there? What's going on? What's that? Husband with a short fuse. Good. What else? Well, not good, but yes. Right answer. What's that? Turning inward. Yeah, withdrawing. Give me some space. Good. Okay, what else about the situation? What's happening? Seems to have a negative attitude. Negative attitude. Good. Okay, did we learn anything about the past? Yeah, Renee. All right, all right. So we have this fear of him turning into his dad, right? Good. Which brings up an issue from the past, right, that was mentioned as well, which is also situational, what his dad was like growing up, which comes into play too. Good. All right. The second category are a person's responses. What does the person do in response to what was going on? Uh, here you'd include facts that describe the person's behavior. So this is actions, actions and reactions. So what do we have for actions and reactions between uh, John and Greta? 
Okay, st hide, staying, oh, I inserted my interpretation there. Staying at work, yep. Did you get hiding at work? That's an interpretation. Staying at work is different, yep. He doesn't want help. Okay. Okay, so they're kind of drifting apart, separate lives. Mm -hmm. Okay, avoiding interaction. Good. Mm -hmm. Good. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Good. Yes. Make it. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. All right. Excellent. So we've got some good actions there. Another one is the outbursts of anger. That's another one we could have mentioned. Um, good. All right. Next num category number three is called thoughts. And so if you notice, we're moving from just, just general facts about the event itself. This is like if a historian had been recording it, they could have noticed these things too. That's the first category. Responses is still kind of in that category. Actions that you can see. What are they doing? What are they saying? As we get into thoughts, now it's something that has to come from, from the person, right? That, where they share what they were thinking. So we're, getting, we're transitioning to the inside now. What does the person think about what is going on? Okay, so that has to do with these thoughts. Um, and include information on how he or she has been interpreting the world. So what do we have? What information do we have on, in this case, we just talked with Greta, uh, and so we really can only have her thoughts, although she shares something that John says. But anyway, what, what do we have in regard to what they're thinking? Life stinks. Life stinks, right. Right, life stinks. So there's his, there's, that's a key thought from John. What else? Okay, so she's thinking about how, oh boy, is this, is he just turning into the same thing? Good. What else? He seems he overwhelmed. Okay. Yeah, so needing some space so he can breathe. Yeah, okay. Kind of mm hmm. Whatever's going on, he doesn't seem like he either may not be ready to at this time or maybe doesn't think that he can impact it or solve it. He's mm -hmm. just kind of backpedaling. Right. Right. Good. Avoiding. Yeah. Right. It's on the computer, staying late at work. Right. Right. Good. Uh, all right. Sorry I didn't put those up there. I, there weren't any blanks that you missed, though. The final one is motives. So here's kind of where we get to that deepest level. What is driving the person? What is ruling them? What is you know, motives, you know what motives are, what's causing their actions, thoughts, and so forth. What does the person want uh, in the midst of this? And so you're looking for their goals, their desires, their purposes, what they're treasuring, their motives, their values. Fears can often help to relieve that. So um, what is really ruling his heart here or her heart? This one's tough because this, you almost have to be in conversation to, to discern this. And we've just got a couple little paragraphs here, but yeah. It sounds like she wants the man that she thought he was, that he's no longer acting like. Yeah. So she wants him like he used to be, not like he's acting now. Yeah. Yeah. 
and definitely doesn't want him to turn into his father, right? Good. What else? What about John? I mean, it's hard to fully pinpoint what John wants, but he's expressed it in one way at least. Space? Yeah. Right, right. And again, you, if we had the opportunity to talk with John, you'd want to get deeper than that, but that's something at least to start with. So. Part of it could be too that he, he could want to control, failing to control whatever's mm -hmm. going on, so that's kind right. of coming out in all these other behaviors. Excellent, excellent. Yep, yep. Uh, he's, he, life is not the way he wants it, right? Life stinks. And so it's not the way he wants things. And there's two ways we can respond. We can either exert our power to try to control it, or we can withdraw. And he's doing a little bit of both. And so, yeah, right on. Overachievers can fall into that, where they take on more than they have the capacity to deal with, and mm -hmm. not sure what to do now. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's what I interpreted a yeah, he's feeling he's drowning. What, what, how do I even get out of this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, great thoughts. All right, so let's, we're going to think a little bit more deeply now about each one of these hooks and how we put them into practice in life. I am going to move quickly through this section um, because there's, a fun, there's one more fun case study I want to get to at the end, okay? So thinking about using the hooks... Um, the first one, situation. Again, so this is facts and details. Uh, he has a couple lists of questions uh, that you can ask. Some you want to look into their background, right? So family of origin, uh, what happened in their childhood. Um, often parent-child relationships can affect people into adulthood. And so what's, what's going on there? Um, Trying to remember what I have up on the screen here. Oh, yes, here we go. Your calling in this section, as you gather situational information, is to build a bridge of understanding from the Word of God to the details of her world so she can understand what God has promised her and called her to do. So you're gathering the situation so that you know what promises and truths from Scripture will be helpful to this person, right? So again, the point is not to just come back with my advice or to tell you what I think you should do, but as I understand the situation you're facing. So um, for instance, uh, you're in a scenario where the person's very clearly afraid, right? So then I want to begin thinking through, ah, what promises of God, what truths of Scripture help with fear, right? So we're attaching their situation to uh, ideas from Scripture. Uh, as we think about responses, here we're focusing on their behavior. We're focusing on their behavior. We're looking for themes and patterns. What are the typical ways they respond to different scenarios? Um, and so we take any information that describes the way they act, their behavior, and place it under this section, their response to life and to what's going on, to people, how they react, and so forth. Number three, for thoughts. For thoughts. Um, here we are considering the heart that directs the person's behavior. Uh, not just the facts of their life, but their interpretation of those facts. 
So here, you're, sometimes you've heard the word, uh, that's, a, that's a charged word. So what that means is, I did it earlier. Uh, so I could say, the husband stays at work late. Okay, so that's just a description of what's happening. But if I then say, uh, he sulks at work and avoids contact till late hours at night, what I've done is I've placed my interpretation on it. Uh, it's become emotionally charged. And the stronger words that we use, the more emotionally charged that is. The fool stays at work till late at night, right? So now all of a sudden I've escalated it. These are all ways we interpret the facts of a scenario. Those interpretations fit in this category. Our thoughts and the way we're viewing our perspective on the scenario. And you'll catch these as you listen to people. Um, They'll, they'll say things in a way, it didn't need to be said that way. They could have just described it, but they amped it up in this way, or they added this detail, and you're like, ah, so I can tell what you think about the fact that he stayed at work. <laughs> you don't like that he stayed to work, and I, I just caught that through the way you said it. So those, you, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but sometimes that comes through in that way. Uh, now, in the book, he goes to Numbers chapter 11. And so, um, let's just take two minutes. If you want to open to Numbers 11, you're welcome to. I'm going to walk quickly through it. It's just a good example of how um, our hearts direct our actions. Numbers chapter 11. And in verses 1 through 23, this is the scenario where the Israelites are wandering through the wilderness And God's meeting their needs with manna. And this has been going on for quite a while. Uh, Manna is one of the coolest stories in the Old Testament. Every morning, like clockwork, God has provided for them again. And it's teaching them to depend on Him daily, right? They can't even store it until it gets to the Sabbath. And then a miracle happens where God lets it last more than a day. It's just really cool. God's personal provision for them. But then in chapter 11, verse 1, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. The people cried out to Moses when when Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taberah because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude were among them, then yield to intense craving. So the children of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? So they're complaining to the Lord. Now notice verse 5. We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. I'm giving you some interpretation here if you didn't notice. Uh, Which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. (laughs) A little dramatic here, maybe. Our whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now, are you noticing their charged language here, right? This is not just a gentle request to the Lord. Lord, we're so thankful for the manna, but I wonder if we could have maybe, maybe some meat as well. And we're okay if not. We love the manna. We're so thankful for it. No, no, no. This is like... They're wound up. This is dramatic. They're actually uh, thinking that it was better for them in Egypt, which is you know, a completely distorted view of the past. They were slaves. They were mistreated. It was not better for them in Egypt. Uh, so a few things that we notice about their thoughts here. So first of all, I mentioned this one. Uh, oops, sorry. 
That last blank was interpretation. I'm sorry if you were waiting for that. It's, yeah, interpretation. All right. That a distorted view of the past. They're remembering Egypt as if it was this heavenly place with all these wonderful foods, but they were suffering as slaves and God redeemed them from it. They have a distorted view of the present. They've become unthankful for the manna that God has been faithfully providing for them. So to be unthankful is a distorted view of life. It's a lie, right? It's wrong to be unthankful. And so that's a distortion. They have a distorted view of self. Moses goes to the Lord in verses 10 through 15. And Moses is wondering, why is all this happening? Why do I have to deal with these complaining people? So Moses actually starts complaining to the Lord about the horrible Israelites. Uh, and so there's a distorted view of self. They have a distorted view of God. They don't realize that God's caring for them and meeting their needs because they've become uh, covetous and unthankful. And finally, they have a distorted view of the future. They don't see any hope because they have a small view of God. They don't see how God can provide for them. And they have an inflated view of the past. And so there's no future for them. We can't go forward with God. He's not meeting our needs. And they can't see a way out, which is, again, a distorted view of things. All of this uh, because of the way they're thinking about the manna. They've developed a heart that's complaining and not thankful to the Lord. All right, so back to our list here using the hooks. Number four, the motives. Behind every action, reaction, or response are desires, motives, goals, and purposes. We need to see what is ruling our hearts. And we know that we quickly exchange worship uh, and service of the Creator for worship and service of the created thing. This is happening all the time. And so in that fourth category, we're looking, into the, we're looking to the heart. We're trying to see what is it that's ruling them? What is it that they're serving? And so many times, it might start with some other thing that's out there, but often it just, all fingers are pointed at me. I'm worshiping and serving myself uh, is typically what's going on. All right, so these four categories uh, you have, and uh, they're there in your notes. So we're going to use them to address a case study. This is called Sharon. It's a person's name. We have one Sharon in our church. This is not about her. Uh, so just so you know that, this is right from the book. It's just what he, what he called her. So anyway, um, so read about Sharon. You have this little, you have a half sheet in your handouts or it's in your books. I don't have the page number in your books. What is it, somebody have, what is it? 86, there you go. So take like two minutes, read through that story, and then I'm going to ask you some questions for us to address together. All right, I'm going to start talking again. Feel free to finish reading. I won't be offended. Uh, what we're going to do is, as a group, see if we can grab information for each of these four categories. Okay? So we're going to start with the situation. And on the back side of that half sheet, if you want to jot these down, you're welcome to do that. I think there's uh, space in your books to do that too. Uh, but what facts can we gather? Okay, what's the situation? What's happening 
Uh, what do you notice? And we'll try to move quickly. So go ahead and just shout out things that you notice here. What's going on? What's happening? Growing apart. Good. What else? There's an ultimatum. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lack of humility. Okay. Okay. Bitterness. Uh huh. Okay, good. Yeah, good. So um, that's exactly it, right? It's just we're looking for broad information. It's a troubled marriage. We're having struggling with their relationship. There's there's anger, bitterness, some of these things going on as well. Communication problems. Is that fair? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to responses. So this is how the things that they're doing, ways that they're acting and reacting toward one another or others. What actions have they taken? Okay, so they're, they're moving away from each other in ways. Okay, what else? And involve their kids in that too, right? Create an awkward scenario for their kids. Eating separately, right? What else has happened? What actions? Had an affair. Affairs, right? Mm -hmm. She did. Yep. She came for help, for him. <laughs> okay, let's go to thoughts. What thoughts are revealed in this account? What is she thinking and what do we know about what Ed is thinking? She's thinking it's his fault. Good. He's thinking it's her fault, right? I'm sorry? Blaming? Uh-huh. Yep. They both thought it was best to Yes. Yes, right. That's revealing, isn't it? Their thought process, it seemed better to eat separately somehow. So that's, that's key. What else? Okay, yeah, there's some hopelessness in their thinking. Good. Okay, good. That's a key thought. She thinks she's okay. Yep. Okay. She tries to control him. Yeah, so that's kind of her, her actions. Or maybe that's in, maybe revealed in her thoughts somewhere too that I'm missing. But mm -hmm. Good. All right, let's go to motives. So now here's where we get really deep. And what is it that they want? What are their goals? What are their desires? And how does that come out here? So what do we have for potential motives? Mm 
she enjoys being with people that matter. So okay. That. Yep. Enjoys being with people that matter. That's something to dig into for sure. <laughs> she, wa she wants him to change the behavior or Yes, she wants him to change. Right. Right. Good. Kind of attached to an ultimatum, too. What else? Okay, wants to be heard. Come again? He wants to lead on some level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Up here. Okay. Yeah. Wants home life to be easy so he can focus on the business side. Yeah. Good. Insightful. Yeah, Linda. Good, good. Jim, do you have something? She, she's lacking, she's lacked stability in the past as far as a family, a mm -hmm. mother and a father. Mm -hmm. She's searching, she's right. looking for stability. And right. Good. Yeah, good. No, great insights. All right, we're going to wind that experiment down. Uh, two things I just want to summarize. One, is that hopefully that was helpful for you to s distinguish those categories, especially because the situation and the you know, reactions and responses ultimately lead to the deeper things, the thoughts and the motives. Um, so, yeah, a story like that can help you to see the difference between those categories of information. But generally speaking, what we did there don't, I would encourage you not to normally do, because we even in what we did, we're still making some assumptions. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you, you get a first piece of information, and really all you have to go with is what they said. And so you say something like, well, you said that you are afraid, or whatever, I'm not going to quote somebody. Tell me more about what you mean by that. So, so a lot of times the best next step is an, just another question to draw them out more rather than just to kind of like we did jump to conclusions like, well, you're angry. They're like, well, they might be, but let's draw them out a little bit more and, and really make sure that's what's going on. So anyway, just wanted to comment on that. All right. Uh, the rest of what I have in the PowerPoint is just the uh, CPR stuff, which we're out of time tonight. So that's in your notes and it's in your books as well. So I will not go through those in detail. Uh, do read through those. They're helpful ways of summarizing the lesson and how they apply to life. And then you've got a make it real assignment for next week where you get to think through each of those four categories of information and how you connect those to scripture as you seek to help somebody. So thanks for your good attention tonight. You are dismissed. Have a good night.